From wherever you are in the world, welcome to wherever I am in the world. You're joining me here at my home in Calera, Oklahoma. Thank you so very much for being part of Victory Life Church Online this weekend. James Brown and Pastor Dwayne over the last two weeks have been developing a thought in our minds that we can win at the game of life. When we have a look at that first message by James Brown, he came along and he said, hey, you know what, you can break the huddle and you can run the play. You don't have to be stuck in the huddle. You don't have to be discussing about the huddle. You don't have to be leaving the huddle to do anything else other than run the play. And Pastor Dwayne gave us a tip last week in this message series entitled Winning at the Game of Life by telling us that, hey, we can win if we're able to put down shame and blame. It's an awesome time just to be able to celebrate who we are without condemnation and allow our identity in Jesus Christ to drive us and push us towards His purpose. This week, we're going to be taking a look at how we can win at the game of life by having a divine purpose, how we are aligned and refined for good works by God. Even though we might not feel like we're pretty good at anything, He's got something planned for you and for me. Over the next two weeks, during the month of July, two other pastors will be speaking to you directly, namely Pastor Mark Carrillo, he's the Sherman Campus Pastor, as well as one of our executive pastors, and Pastor Jacob Sheriff will be speaking to you, he's, one of our, he's our senior executive pastor, and we're looking forward to hearing from a number of different pastors as we move pastors around. Next weekend, I'll be speaking at the Chandler location, and then the following weekend, I'll be speaking at our Texarkana location, so if you're in those areas, come out and join me, it'd be good to see you, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, this month of July as Pastor Dwayne takes a rest and all the pastors get to preach in different locations. It's really an awesome time and an enjoyable time for us here during the month of July. Before we jump into today's message on divine purpose, let's pray together and then we'll jump straight into the Word. Father, we thank you that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. We can celebrate you, we can venerate you, we can honor you, we can establish you as our King. And Father God, we thank you that as we worship you and honor you, you teach us, train us, and teach us. And Father, we are open to anything that you have to say to us. And we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me here in my home as we continue to discuss this series entitled Winning at the Game of Life. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, a famous scripture that we know pretty well tells us that God wants a life for us of abundance. Now, for a long time, I always heard that John chapter 10 and verse 10 scripture quoted during the giving message, quoted during prosperity messages. And I really thought that, hey, maybe this scripture just had to do with my bank balance. And if I looked at my bank balance, I never really saw this life and life and abundance that God really wanted for me. And so I began to wrestle with what does it mean for God to want an abundant life for me? And I began to realize that an abundant life is a life where we are able to move from milestone to milestone and feel like we are growing, feel like we are making progress. I don't have to have a whole lot of money in my bank if my marriage is improving, if my, if my fathering of my children is improving, if I'm improving in my character, if I'm slowly but surely getting promoted at work. I can, I can feel God giving me a life that's of movement, not of mediocrity. And when I got stuck in the rut in my life of mediocrity, there was no abundance whatsoever. But as soon as I was able to start moving and feel like I was actually heading in a direction that I'd planned to go in, and not just any direction, I found that my life 
started to align with that scripture in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And when you think about it, we, we don't really find purpose. We don't really find our lives having purpose um, and we don't really find our lives having any momentum if we're kind of okay with mediocrity, if we're kind of okay with just settling in and being okay with whatever comes our way. Purpose is very much linked to momentum. If you watch a motor vehicle going along the road or an airplane full of people taking off, we know that they got that momentum because they're going somewhere and they're going to get there according to a plan. Maybe it's Siri on maps, maybe it's the flight navigation path, but there's a plan to go somewhere and as a result the momentum that they're creating in their movement towards that somewhere is evident that they have a purpose. We don't find, however, that momentum on our own. How many of you have found certain things in life where momentum happens for a while and kind of fizzles out and then you get excited about going on that holiday but when you get back from that holiday you feel like you need a holiday from being on holiday. Uh, maybe you have a, a, something you're looking forward to at work or you're looking forward to your birthday but it's so long in coming. So much has to happen before that can happen and, and that momentum, it's kind of there but it's not an abundant life momentum that John chapter 10 and verse 10 speaks about. And then we stumble from John chapter 10 and verse 10 into a scripture like Psalm 37 verse 4. And it says there that if we take the light in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. If we take the light in the Lord, if we partner with the Lord around his purpose and his delight, he will align that delight with ours and give us the desires of our hearts. I often thought to myself, if his desire is to give me an abundant life and my desire is to have an abundant life, surely if I can get a way of aligning those two purposes, then I'm going to get what God has promised me and what I want. And so when we have a look at this process of living a life with a momentum and a purpose, there's no other example that I could find in scripture that, that illustrates this better than the story of Moses. Now, if you remember correctly, Moses was kind of on a mission. He, uh, he, he was born into a Hebrew family. He was uh, given up, uh, left in a basket in the reeds. We, we know that story. Um, he, he fundamentally was adopted by the princess of, of Egypt at the time. And um, who knows which princess she was or which wife she was a daughter to. Or, but she had status in the, in the palace. And, um, and so they allowed her to adopt this little Hebrew baby into their world. He was completely out of sorts. He was completely out of his world. Uh, scripture eventually goes on to show that he knew that he wasn't an, an Egyptian. He knew that he was part of the Hebrew nation. And so here this man grows up in the courts of Pharaoh with all the privileges, all the rights, all the education and all the things that go along. But he's still carrying attention in his life. He's still carrying hurt. He's still carrying the fact that the same Pharaoh that he now has to call kind of dad or granddad or whatever he called him. That same guy was the one that's part of the family that had put all of his brothers and sisters and other babies of Hebrews to death that caused him to actually land up in the palace. And he knows the whole story because his mother had, had, had fed him and nursed him as a, as a little one and, and was probably telling him the story, the real story of who he was. And, and so Moses, despite his privilege still has attention still has this degree of 
well, this is not who I am. This is not why I was placed on the planet. This is not why I find myself here. And even though all of the illustrious blessings of the palace existed for him, there was still a mediocrity in his life. He knew where he was, but he knew he had somewhere else to go. And so Moses begins this journey of understanding who he is and trying to figure out what his purpose in life is. And just like us, we might find ourselves in a circumstance, in a situation where we might have a good job, we might have a great marriage, but we just still find ourselves feeling listless and, and, and no momentum, like we haven't got a purpose. Maybe you have been radically changed in your life by Jesus Christ and you celebrate your salvation, but with that salvation, you still want to do something. You still want to achieve something. You still want to walk out God's purpose. And so when we look at the story of Moses, maybe we can glean something from his story and figure out how we can work out our divine purpose and win in the game of life. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11 fast forwards through Moses' life and tells a story of one day where this adopted prince of Egypt was walking about the land and there he saw an Egyptian slave driver beating up on one of his people. In fact, the scripture actually says that he knew that that man that was being beaten up was one of his own. And Moses, with this incredible gift, this incredible desire not to see anybody oppressed and anybody pushed down and anybody persecuted, strikes out at the Egyptian slave driver and kills him. He's got a desire in his life. He's got something he wants to see happen. He wants to see the oppressed liberated. He wants to see people that are persecuted freed up. And so he expresses that desire in all the wrong way. And he finds himself on the run from Pharaoh himself for killing one of the slave drivers. And so he begins to run and he, he runs out of Egypt. But interestingly in that scripture in Hebrew, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, he saw how hard they were forced to work and wanted them free. And so when we look at that scripture, it's almost as if Moses' desire lined up with God's desire. Because a few scriptures, a few verses later, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23 to 25, it says, Years passed, king of Egypt died, it was about 40 years, and the Israelites continued to groan under their burden. In verse 24, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. He knew, God knew, that he had to liberate the oppressed. Moses had a desire to liberate the oppressed. But when Moses expressed his desire without aligning it to God's desire, it was expressed in all sorts of wrong ways. It was expressed in the form of murder and Moses having to go on the run. Sometimes we have all good intent in our hearts. We have desires in our hearts. We have dreams in our hearts. We have things that we want to do with what God has given us. But when we don't completely align ourselves to God's will and purpose, when we don't take delight in the Lord, it seems that the things of our heart, the desires of our heart, don't really come to fruition. It's kind of like, a, like on the 4th of July when we're lighting up fireworks. We're always going to get that one firework that doesn't quite get all the way off the ground. It kind of fizzles out before it hits its ultimate performance. 
And we sometimes might feel like that. We have all this dream in our heart, but it, it always seems to fizzle out. It never seems to get to the ultimate level of winning at the game of life. And so Moses now goes into this desert of Midian and uh, he, he, gets, he, he spends some time in the Midian desert. He, he spends some time, he gets married, he meets his wife, he, he begins to settle down. And for 40 years, he gets refined and defined refined and defined he gets refined and defined how does he get refined well the first thing is god needs to help him understand that his gift set this desire to see the oppressed free it needs to be matured his response had to be to negotiate with god and become reliant on god to help him see his purpose moses's purpose and God's purpose come to fruition in the same way. He had to learn how to rely on God's strength and not his own. When he relied on his own strength, it ended in murder. It wasn't too, too good. He had to refine them from maybe the pride that he had from coming out of the, the palace that he thought he could just strike down anybody because, you know, he did come from the palace. Maybe God had to take that pride and, and that 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 the thought process that he had all of these hurts and all of these pains and he had the history of being left behind by his mom and and others were killed when he was not the israelites looked at him differently the egyptians looked at him differently and he was kind of this outcast no matter where he went and and he had all of these hurts and all of these pains that he had to spend time working on and and figuring out and he had to refine the pride into humility that God could use to merge his will and purpose with. Moses was so refined and he was so so refined and, and, and aligned to God's will that eventually that humility would become a, a name he was given. He actually gave it himself. And I sometimes wonder how that was humble. But he said, I'm the most, the meekest man on all the earth. He had to align himself to the realization that when he ran away from Egypt, it was because he didn't know that all of the history, all of the purpose, all of the position, all of the personality hadn't been a burden to carry, but a purpose to walk out. You see, he had to get to a place where his life became a divine purpose. And just like us, when we align our lives with Jesus Christ, we get to understand that, that the, the weight of our purpose becomes or the weight of our problem becomes the fuel of our purpose the weight of Moses's desire to see the people freed the weight and the issues and the history that he had had to be refined and defined into a, a place not of a few not of a of a burden to carry but a fuel for a divine purpose how many of you know when you've filled up the tank of petrol or gas in your car that it add weight to your adds weight to your vehicle there's a weight to your history. There's a weight to your hurts. There's a weight to your past. There's a, there's a weight to your current circumstance. But Moses took time to understand that the weight of his hurt, the weight of his past, and the weight of his current circumstance was actually to become the fuel of his divine purpose. And he took time with God to align that purpose. When we can align ourselves to Jesus, when we can allow him to speak into our current circumstance, heal that which needs to be healed, promote that which needs to be promoted, we can find ourselves in a place where even though we're carrying weight, we have fuel for a purpose. When we can understand that some of our pains aren't pain but are promotion, 
We can align and refine our gift and our desires and we can show them to the Father and He can give them our requests of our heart. This aligning and refining happened to Jesus. It was no wonder that, that he was being refined and, and he was being taken through a desert experience, just like Moses and Gideon. In Midian, Jesus steps into the desert and, and there he has to face Satan. And he's refined and defined. Defined because at his baptism, he was called the son of the Most High God in whom I'm well pleased. He's refined because he has to work through the word of God and defeat in sin. And, and in the desert, he has to defeat Satan at his height. And then he steps out, and it's no wonder that he is busy refined and defined, Jesus is. And the very next chapter in Scripture, after it's told the story of Jesus' walk in the desert, that he then expresses his purpose. I've come to give, and to give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, to bind up the brokenhearted. And he quotes Isaiah and says, hey, I've just spent time being refined and defined in my purpose so that I can come out and know, really, that the desire of my heart matches the purpose of the Father. And when we can marry those two, we get a divine purpose, not a mediocrity to our lives. And so I, when I look at my own life, I realize that, hey, you know, when I try to lean on my own way of doing things, I had gifts, I had talents, I had things that, the, that life had given me. I didn't realize at that time that God had given me certain gifts too. And when I marry the gifts of God with the gifts that life gives me, I can come up with something pretty impressive. But if I just camp in the gifts or the hurts that life gives me, I kind of wallow in mediocrity. I've always been able to speak and communicate. It's always been one of the things that from a very young age, I've really enjoyed doing. But for a long time, that public speaking in the secular world got me into a whole heap load of trouble. Not only did it provide a great job, but with all of the perks and all of the things that went around having an international speaking career, hey, there was some trouble that went along with that. And when I, became, when I came to a realization of Jesus in me, and not just a knowledge of Jesus, I'd always grown up with the knowledge of Jesus, but I didn't have Jesus in me. And when I came to a point of the indwelling of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father in my life, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to use exactly what you despise, my speaking, and I'm going to turn it into public speaking, into preaching and into teaching. And in that moment, my gift, my, my earthly fleshy gift of communication became a divine inspiration that God continues to use, hopefully to change your life and many others around the world. So Moses, in his story, is in this desert time being refined and defined. And then one day he's walking through this desert and he comes across a burning bush. And in that moment of the burning bush, he goes before the Lord and the Lord says to him, this is a holy ground. This is a holy moment. Take off your sandals and approach me. And immediately Moses knew that this was an encounter with the Most High God. Ever had one of those? Where you just open up your Bible like you do every other day. Wandering through the desert like you do every other day. And there God drops a gem. Something about the scripture you read, something about the praise and worship music you're listening to, something about the way your wife said she loves you, something away about how your daughter hugged you. Something happens that day that just creates a holy moment where something in your heart changes, a memory is created, something good comes from it. God speaks to you directly, not audibly, just in the small, still voice in your heart. Something happens. A burning bush holy moment happens. 
And because of that, your, not only do your sandals come off, not only does your heart open up, but you worship God with a little bit more fervor because you've had that moment that you know God was present in. And Moses has a very similar one, albeit quite dramatic. Here's this burning bush and, and God speaks to him. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10, God says to him quite clearly that you know that desire that you had in your heart, you know that thought process that you had to liberate my people, you know the one that you completely messed up when you first expressed it, you know the one where you were wrestling with all your past hurts and pains and you couldn't quite align everything up to become the leader I needed you then, you know what, now's your time. And he says, hey, will you please, Moses, go and liberate my people, lead them out of Israel. Something in Moses must have leapt at that moment. Just like when your heart leaps at, leaps at a specific scripture, God speaks Moses' language. I mean, this is what Moses has been waiting for. This is what Moses has been running from and running towards all at the same time. And so Moses jumps at that. Like all of us, he wants to know how it's going to happen. But there was no lack of desire for Moses to do what he needed to do. He just needed some additional help. And we're going to get to that moment in, in a moment. But man, how that instruction from the Lord must have meant something to Moses on the inside of him, deep on the inside of him. However inferior, the Most High God requesting him to do it made him feel he knew that, man, that was his destiny. That was going to align with the desire that he had the day he murdered that slave driver. Moses was content with having all of these talents and histories and hurts. He was quite content. He knew that he was wired to free the oppressed. In fact, before the burning bush moment, he met up with some women from Midian in Genesis chapter 3, verses 15 to 17, roughly onwards. There's a story about these women that come down to a well and other shepherds come and run them off. And Moses steps in and says, no, 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 that's not how it's going to be. And he helps them and he sorts out the whole problem. He hated the fact that there was somebody that was being persecuted. So right the way through, Moses is refining and defining. There's evidence that the gift of freeing the oppressed never went away from him. He always wanted to free the oppressed. He always wanted to help the persecuted. He just didn't have a holy ground moment to align his call with God's call and walk out a divine purpose. But now, after the burning bush moment, now he'd been shown that what he'd always felt on the inside of him, what he'd always desired, what, what he'd always wanted to cause him to step up, the, the, thing that, the very thing that had caused him to step out of his, his protected palace world into an irrational defense of his people and cause someone to get murdered and then had to go on the run for 40 years, all that he'd been desiring in his heart that, that, that would even result in him protecting the woman at the well, all of this could be used when aligned to God's call to liberate an entire nation of people. And when you think about it, Moses aligned what little he had to the greater good that God had. And look at what happened. And the same is true for you today. Just like Pastor Dwayne shared with us last week, we have to get over thinking that we only have a little. And just celebrate the little that we do have. Give it to God. And watch him align that with the greater divine good and knit together a very unique divine purpose. Unique because only your past could be sewn into that purpose to become what it is to become. Moses knew now 
that he could take and he could walk out in faith. He could step out. And yes, it takes faith. Aligning what little we have with what God wants us to do takes a lot of faith. God can see the end result, but we struggle to see it. And so we need to step out without seeing it, faith, and walk it out anyway. But when we align what little we think we have to the greater good that God has in mind, that is going to result in faith and from faith. And then realizing that there is a God-given purpose to your present personality, your present situation, your present history, your, your, your current history, your current past, your current circumstance, your current issue, who you are right now. When you, when you understand that there is a God-given purpose in all of that mess, then you start finding a passion that starts defeating mediocrity. Not some fleeting moment of passion. No, an Isaiah 40:31 kind of passion. Where it says, those who trust in the Lord will find renewed strength. They will soar high on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You see, when we begin to align our current circumstance to God's purpose and we walk in the divine plan, we get passion that defeats mediocrity. Mediocrity is only found in our life through weariness. When we get tired, we just leave things as they are. We don't have the energy to change things, to go on. Maybe you've been beat up. Maybe you've stood up a few before and been put down. And that weariness has bred about a mediocrity. But if we can daily find a way of taking who we are and linking that with who God is, watch a divine purpose come to bear. And so Moses had to understand that the weight of his problem became the fuel of his purpose. And he did that by entering into this holy moment, this holy ground moment with God. And God calls him into this holy ground moment, gets his attention by a burning bush, calls him in to this holy ground moment. Moses slips off his sandals in worship. And that's the first thing we need to understand about having a holy ground moment with God. If you're looking to find a way of aligning who you are with who God wants you to be and who God is and having divine purpose in your life, we have to start holy ground moments by humbly submitting in worship to the Most High God. We have to worship Him as King of Kings and Lords of Lords of our lives. We can't walk around as the King and expect the King to work with the King. The King is King. There can't be two heads. There can't be two leaders to this thing. We have to submit ourselves and humbly worship. Jesus is on the throne. We need to take off our sandals, bow low, and have a reverential fear of what God is and who He is. When we do that, in a space of humility, we begin to align our lives with His will. Holy ground moment, Moses realized through worship, through entering the holy ground, through worshiping God, that he didn't like oppression. And he realized in that holy ground moment through worship that neither did God. And all of a sudden there was a matching of those two desires and a divine purpose was born that liberated a nation. The first thing we have to understand about wanting and desiring to have holy ground moments with God is that we need to submit and worship. This brings about an alignment of the two purposes, yours and God's. The second thing we need to understand about holy ground moments is that we need to eliminate excuses out of our lives and replace them with the supernatural gifts 
that God wants to give you. You see, God realizes that out of your passion, a task will be born. Out of Moses's desire to see oppressed people liberated, a task was born, liberating them, going back, delivering. He knew that there was a, a task at hand based on a desire. Now, the first time Moses took that task on board, well, he took it into his own hands, his natural hands, and he murdered, and it didn't really work out very well. Forty years later, that same desire to see the oppressed liberated is still in Moses. But now he's got the concern that he doesn't know how to walk out that purpose. He failed at it before. Maybe if he goes back, he'll fail at it again. And he needed something else to be able to accomplish his purpose. What he needed was some supernatural gifts. You see, at the burning bush, Moses comes with excuses. I cannot speak. I cannot speak on behalf. And Moses begins to excuse. He never says, no, Father, that's not my purpose. He jumps at the opportunity, but then wants to quickly equip himself and find out how. Last time he did it, he failed, and he didn't want to fail again. When we allow the supernatural gifts to replace our excuses and our weaknesses, watch God blow into us abilities that we never knew we had, but that clearly align with our desire and our purpose. God breathed into Moses abilities and supernatural gifts that completely aligned with his, his desire to see oppressed people set free. He gave him a passion and a gift of leadership that was second to none on the earth at the time. And so he gave Moses the things that he needed. He gave Moses the things that he never knew he could do to combat the things that he thought he could never do. He supernaturally gave Moses the ability to do incredible miracles and incredible things right there. Even though Moses was raising excuses about, hey, I can't do this, I can't do that. God immediately gave him supernatural abilities to get the task, to get the desire of his heart done. That's the incredible thing about God right now in your life. You might be coming to him with excuses. You might be coming to him saying, because of my past, I can't. Because of what I've done, I could never. And God takes away those excuses and things that you think you could never do by giving you the things that you never knew you could do. Supernaturally, He's blessing you if you're willing to submit even those hurts, even those pains to the Father in that holy ground moment. So that's number two. God will always, in a holy ground moment, supernaturally eliminate the excuses that your design and your purpose are experiencing. The next thing we have to understand about a holy ground moment is this, that it is always there for others. Your purpose, your design, your desire is always there for others. It's never ever there for anybody else or just yourself. It's there for everybody else. It's there and designed that when you present yourself to God, you love God, that he will give you a purpose and a plan just like Moses that will impact others. Moses had a desire to see the oppressed set free. He didn't have a desire just to have a good life and a good life in the tents and have an extra tent. No, his life was designed. It was put together supernaturally so that he could express the desire that he had on his heart for others. He will never force his will on you, but his will is that we have an impact 
on others. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 puts it this way. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. He wants to use every moment of your life. Every boring moment, every exciting moment, every moment that you think lacks purpose, he wants to use every one of those moments for good and good in your life so that it can impact others' lives. If you'll let him, because he'll never force his will on you, if you'll let him, he wants to work his will into your purpose, into your desire, so that you can have a divine purpose for your life. When we can give him those moments that we think are worthless, he will turn our desire into something very worthwhile. The crazy thing, though, that we sometimes do is once we've had a holy ground moment, we seem to want to camp there. We, we seem to want to camp on other people's passion, other people's faith, other people's exciting moments. We seem to want to go to a church where there's lots happening so that we can't be seen. We want to camp in a place where we think we're in touch with God. But if Moses had just stayed where he was in that holy ground moment, all he would have had is a good barbecue. If David had allowed the anointing oil to run down his beard as a shepherd and not turn him into a king, all he would have been was a greasy cow hand. It wouldn't have meant anything if they had camped on their holy ground moment. No, Moses had to move from one holy ground moment to the next. He had to move from the burning bush to the first time he saw Pharaoh, from the first time he saw Pharaoh to the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth plague, right through to the Red Sea, to manna, to, to moving forward every moment from holy ground moment to holy ground moment. He was constantly seeking opportunity to align who he was, his desire with God's purpose. And he was looking for the next opportunity to move forward. Mediocrity was not an option for Moses. And with supernatural gifts at your disposal and excuses out of the way, with worship going on and all of this happening for other people, there is no reason why you can't be moving from one holy ground moment to the next. You see, we've got some pretty major holy ground issues or items in our lives. Marriage for me is a holy ground item. It, it's moving from one day after the next, building and growing in my marriage. I'm not the same person I said I do to. I don't do the same things I did when I said I do to Leanne. I think sometimes she hopes that I would do those things. But we are growing and maturing in our love for one another. We're not the same people we were 19 years ago. Today, we have a much richer more Christ-centered marriage than we did even five years ago. And so we continually are looking in our marriage to move from holy ground to holy ground, coming together the desires of our hearts as a family expressed to the Father so that He could use us excuse-free, supernaturally for the benefit of other people. Marriage might be a holy ground item in your life where you're constantly looking for God's divine guidance. Maybe it's when you came to the Lord and you were saved. Maybe your holy ground moment is a salvation moment. And that is a major holy ground moment for many people. That moment of coming to the Lord, like Paul on the road to Damascus. Maybe it was the first time you accepted that the Holy Spirit was alive and well in your life. And you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe you were on your own, but you still had that burning bush experience where all of a sudden God sparked in you a desire, a dream, and gave you a picture of how you could get there. Maybe it's not that. Maybe every time you come to the table of the Lord and you receive communion, that's a holy ground moment. You see, there's multiple major moly, holy ground, holy moly, holy ground moments in our lives. There's multiple holy ground moments in our lives. There's multiple things that allow us to express the desire of our hearts in alignment with the purpose of God. Some of those things I've just mentioned in stayed church are called sacraments. And these are stayed elements in the church that we celebrate regularly, like communion. Some of them are just life experience and things that happen to us. And as we travel through life, we realize God was speaking to us there and there and there. But there's so many other opportunities other than the major holy grounds for us to take holy ground. There's so many other opportunities for us to create opportunity for us to express in worship excuse-free supernatural gifting to help others. There's so many other ways we can have a burning bush experience. Maybe it's your morning Bible reading where you go before the Lord and you worship Him with the Word. You allow Him, excuse-free, the Holy Spirit to speak to you through Scripture, allowing you to have a life that leads others to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just meditating on the Holy Spirit and wrestling with Him. How can I do that, Holy Spirit? I can't speak. How can I go before? How can I do this? Where can I? You know that the desire of your heart has been recognized by God, but you're going to need to meditate with the Holy Spirit on the hows and the detail. He'll give them to you. Maybe it's just hanging out with other believers that you worship Him and, and express and hear other ways other believers have come through supernaturally and, ex, and excuse-free. Whatever you do, if you present your desires to the Father, and you say, hey, Father, this is my desire. This is what I want to go. Because of this hurt, I want to help this person. Excuses free. Because of this past, I don't want others to have that kind of past. Because of this, I want to have a better future. Whatever it is, present it to the Lord. Worship Him. Take your sandals off before Him. Humble yourself like Moses did in becoming the meekest man of all the earth. Humble yourself in His presence so He can align your purpose with his desires and your desires with his purpose. And you can mix that together in a moment of worship and give you a supernatural, excuse-free ability that you never thought you'd have before to go out and help other people. And when we begin to express these holy ground moments on a day-to-day, sandal-removing kind of way, these activities are born in our lives that all of a sudden become reality. And even though we haven't had a, might not have had a holy ground moment in a while, we are still wound up in the activities that God has given us on the previous holy ground. And Moses is moving through the desert back to Egypt. Aaron is on his way to meet him. People are getting excited that Moses is on his way back. And then they had to walk through the hardships of those plagues, questioning Moses. But because Moses knew of his holy ground moment, he could stay the course despite the difficulties and he could see the end result. Despite your excuses, despite your circumstances, despite anything and everything that's happening in your life today, you have a purpose. You have a desire in your heart. Take a moment, a burning bush moment, to align that purpose daily with God's purpose. And watch Him give you a divine purpose that will help you win 
at the game of life. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church. Please jump into the chat room. Discuss what we've heard today. Click on the banner. Let me know what you thought about today's message. Love to hear from you. If you're catching this on Facebook, please comment right now. If you're catching this on your Apple TV or your Roku, just scan that little QR code and get into the chat room. Get involved. Start talking about what God's Word has done in your life today. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. I look forward to seeing you again really, really soon. You be blessed.